If you wish to persuade me, you must think my thoughts, feel my feelings, and speak my words. Cicero. Man's time here is finite, but the influence of a man is infinite. The question is what shall we do with the daylight that remains? Welcome back to the show. Today we're talking about generating buy-in, mastering the language of leadership, written by Mark Walton, who was CNN's former chief White House correspondent. He spent over 30 years in high-level business management and uh, working with a variety of different people on their communication and leadership. Generating buy-in is critical for anyone in leadership or sales, but it's also very, very important in normal daily interactions with other people. You know, we always have objectives we're trying to achieve and having this ability to get others to see a brighter future in the objectives you see or you've laid out is a good thing, right? Whether that's your spouse, your kids, other friends or family, uh, how do we get buy-in into a plan to achieve an objective, especially a positive one? So he's a master at this. As per usual, Let's jump in. I'll read some of the highlighted parts that I found interesting and provide a little discussion and insight. This is in the introduction. We all need somebody's buy-in. Public sentiment is everything. With public sentiment, nothing can fail. Without it, nothing can succeed. Abraham Lincoln. He says, other people's buy-in, their understanding, commitment, and action in support of our goals has always been enormously important. But in today's world, it has become the most valuable asset of all, and the ability to influence people's thoughts and feelings to generate their buy-in has emerged as the paramount leadership skill. You, know, you think about the impact great leaders have had, whether that's Jesus or Hitler. <laughs> the ability to get buy-in has really changed the course of history in a dramatic way. Shrink that down to whatever scale you're at whether you want to change the world at large scale or you're talking about your family members, the ability to get buy-in truly does shift the course of the day, the week, the month, the year, potentially the entire world. The workplace has become a free agent nation. It's citizens and all volunteer force. Today's marketplace is a free-for-all. Moving in internet time, companies, competitors, and offerings glom together in an undifferentiated blur. Investors, consumers, and clients click scans, blink, and decide. Never have they had more options or fewer clear incentives to send their business your way. <laughs> so, of course, we're changing into the gig economy, right? People work when they want, where they want, on the initiatives they want. And there's never been a more difficult time to get buy-in from people to achieve some great objective in business. And so your ability to persuade people, to influence them, to put their energy into a shared objective is critical to building a fantastic business. So he says about this book, through these and other real world examples, behind the scenes interviews and practical exercises, you will learn a powerful step-by-step -step process for targeting your audience's needs capturing their attention, and communicating in a positive, memorable way without hard selling or manipulating to successfully build, lead, and manage organizations, motivate individuals, groups, and teams, 
market ideas, products, and services, gain the commitment and loyalty of customers, generate support from analysts, investors, and regulators, win elections and legislative approval, turn crisis into positive value-added outcomes. So let's see if we can find some of those nuggets in here and truly take on some of those characteristics. He begins the book talking about the geniuses behind the network television stations that spend millions of dollars trying to convince people to buy their products, right? You know, like in the Super Bowl, you've heard the outrageous numbers that people pay for just a 30 second clip, things like that. Well, they're not screwing around when they show up to those things. He says, you can be certain that not for one second or cent are the masters of the television universe fooling around. Whether they're seeking buy-in for automobiles, clothes, investments, or vacations, they will program their technology to communicate with you and me in the most compelling language ever found. They will speak to us in strategic stories, night after night. These are stories that are strategically designed to protect positive future. Strategic stories of a positive future have been the most powerful language of buy-in since, if not before, the beginning of recorded time. And he essentially bases the rest of the book on this idea that a story that projects a positive future is the best way to get somebody to buy into an idea, a campaign, a business, a product. And so how do you construct that story and portray that story to your audience, whomever that may be? Aristotle and countless other thinkers have pointed out that the human mind is like a private screening room, continually rolling complex mental stories that have an uncanny power to soothe, scare, interest, or stimulate us. To end this chapter, he says, the age-old secret to generating buy-in is to strategically design, target, and deliver a story that projects a positive future. So it's not just a positive future, it's those emotions that he mentioned there, right? Do they scare you? Do they interest you? Do they stimulate you? Do they hit your emotions for some attachment that you have out in society? So he, he does say about all strategic stories that are that are well done. They project without ifs, ands, or buts that the future will be bright. So that's such a key. Quoting Ronald Reagan, he says, I wasn't a great communicator, but I communicated great things. When you talk about great things with massive impact and hit the emotions, people are moved to action. And that's that's exactly what we're trying to get here. He says, Welch's story promised that General Electric's employees would experience a corporate future. Number one, where ideas win. Number two, where people flourish and grow. Number three, where the excitement of their work lives is transferred to their whole lives. Welsh at General Electric was known for hammering his story into his employees and the community. Napoleon Bonaparte explained his own use of strategic stories this way. The human race is governed by its imagination. Thus said Napoleon, knowing how to capture and manage that imagination means to exert tremendous influence and power. History is replete with examples. The stories of the great spiritual leaders, Moses, Jesus, Confucius, Muhammad, and Buddha, all promising a bright future, continue to mold the beliefs and behaviors of billions of people today. Isn't that amazing? They told these stories and made their life about telling these stories, living the examples, and focused on a futuristic transformation that would be an a beautiful state 
and forevermore the world has been changed by that. Another quote that he has at the top of chapter four, it should be bigger than you so that other people can see themselves in this story you're painting. Bill Stravopoulos. I guess that's how you say his name. (laughs) So people, big and little, are much more likely to do what you want if it leads to a future they want. Developing a strategic story provides you a framework to connect the dots between the future you want, which is your objective, and the future your audience wants, which is their agenda. The first step of developing this story, establish your strategic storyline. So he's telling a particular story about a CEO who was new to the company, and then just months later, their best-selling drug uh, became sort of free to the open market where others could market generic drugs. And so their sales reps were obviously disappointed because that changed the whole game for them. So he shows up in person and says, I wanted to visit with you personally this morning to share some feelings and thoughts I have about you, us, our company's future, and what we will do to assure that future is what we all want it to be. You, us, and a future we all want, he emphasizes. The moment the CEO delivered this storyline, the direction of the sales meeting began to change. Hundreds of sales managers and reps who had arrived with a very different story in their mind's eye, a future of gloom and doom, caught a glimpse of a new possibility. They began to imagine a future that might conceivably be bright. The second step, develop your storyline in three chapters that target your audience's agenda. He spends a lot of time on this particular idea in the, in the book, showing how you develop those three separate chapters of your story. He notes, what makes a positive future depends on your audience's point of view. Further down, he says, what are this particular audience's needs, wants, and future goals? This is the central question. Once you understand your audience's needs, wants, desires, their position, if you can put yourself in their shoes and what does a bright future look like for them, then you can deliver the story they want to hear, right? In the book, True Believer, Eric Hoffer explains how a lot of times being a good leader is simply knowing where the crowd is going so that you can run out front and lead them there, (laughs) Michael Quinlan, CEO of McDonald's Corporation for a decade, once summed it up for me this way. Unless you can walk in their shoes, unless you're intelligent and sensitive enough to put yourself in their shoes, you won't get their buy-in. You have to understand their hopes, their fears, their strengths, their weaknesses, their frustrations. And then the third step, call your audience to action. Shakespeare said, by your entrances and exits shall you be known. So it is with every strategic story and storyteller seeking buy-in. I love that, by your entrances and exits. I think this applies to other things in life too, right? Uh, When you're showing up for the first time at a job or for an interview or things like that. Yeah, people don't want to be judged by their appearance anymore. Uh, Maybe never did, but the truth is people take a look, right? The truth is your first impression makes a big difference in how things are going to go in the future. And once they get to know you, they'll change their opinions based on your true character and things like that. But they're going to notice how you present right off the bat. So by your entrances and exits. As he gets talking about telling these stories, how you present them, he ends the first section by saying there's a remarkable icing on this cake. A well-designed strategic story can literally reshape the storyteller too. 
And he goes on to talk about President Bush, who was known for fumbling over words. And he had a lot of entertaining cartoons about him and things. And comedians had a great time doing Bushisms. But after the 9-11 attacks and when he addressed the country there, he was sort of transformed into this very presidential person who stepped to the podium and delivered a remarkable speech without any of the, you know, funny Bushisms that people laughed about. And he says, dramatic though it was, the source of the 43rd president's metamorphosis was no mystery to those in the know. For that night, George W. Bush spoke the language that so many of history's most charismatic leaders, including FDR, Churchill, and Ronald Reagan, have spoken. And in the process, he discovered the special secret they so well understood. Communicating a positive future impacts not only the audience, but the communicator too. Now, I would take this outside of the sales world as well. The story you tell yourself becomes your reality. And I've talked to other people about this. If you remember when Madeline Wise was on the show, many other books that we've read, talk about what you focus on expands. The story you tell yourself dictates the emotions that you feel and express. And that is really the quality of your life. So telling yourself the positive story, telling others the positive story, reinforces a positive life in reality. Which reminds me of a TED Talk I saw many years ago. I can't remember her name, the the woman that delivered it. But the TED Talk is called Change Your Mind, Change the Game. And the science experiment they were conducting was, if we truly change our mindset, does it have impact on our physiology? And so the essence of this study was the guts college students to come in and have a milkshake. Now, half of the subjects were given a 650 calorie milkshake, just the epic, you know, high calorie treat. The other half were given a diet milkshake, something much closer to half of the calories of the other milkshake, something like that. Then they tested the students' ghrelin levels in their blood. And that turns out that the people who got the diet milkshake still showed signs of hunger their their body was saying, listen, we had a nice treat, but we still need more calories. We need food. The people who got the high calorie milkshake felt satisfied. And even the blood, the ghrelin in their blood showed a higher level of satisfaction that they did not need to eat as soon because they had all the calories they needed. Well, it turns out that both groups actually got the exact same milkshake. The difference was what they thought about the milkshake. One thought they were getting a diet version. The other thought they were getting true decadence. So the study in the end proves if you can truly change your mindset about something, you literally change the outcome in one sense or another. So when you tell a story, that has the impact on your audience that you're looking for, but it also impacts yourself. So even getting buy-in from yourself is important. Chapter nine, the best evidence. Connect with people's gut concerns and they'll go anywhere with you without asking for details. Don't connect and you'll never be able to show them enough details to get them to follow. Thomas Friedman. A salt and pepper bearded man with a striped robe over his sports coat. A female physician wearing pearl earrings and a scarf. A note from a seven-year-old boy. A Peruvian-born airline attendant with her arm in a sling. 
All were present in the chamber of the U.S. House of Representatives as President Bush delivered the State of the Union address we examined in Chapter 8. Interesting but superfluous, categorically not. Each was strategically positioned in Bush's script, and in the room that night, a meticulously timed trump card based on a powerful insight. The best supporting evidence for a story or message about the future is a credible real-life example from yesterday or today. Now, here we go talking about touching on people's emotions. If you can give them a credible story of yesterday or today and give a real life example, such as these people sitting in the audience who he referenced uh, as emotional pulls to the impact we're having at war, the more likely they are to buy in. Later in the book, he has an actual outline of how to develop these stories. So I'll just describe it to you here in case you want to jot it down and work on your own story. So it starts with developing your strategic story. Number one is the goal setting. Determine your buy-in objective. What action do you want your audience to take regarding your idea, proposal, product, service, or organization? Next is your first step. Remember, there are three steps. So first, establish your strategic storyline to generate the action you want What is the big picture or vision of a positive future you want your audience to see? Second step, develop your storyline in three chapters that target your audience's agenda. What are this particular audience's needs, wants, and future goals? In the future, you are projecting what are the three most important ways in which this audience's agenda will be fulfilled. Third, call your audience to action. Ask for a commitment or first step toward the action you want. Now, I skipped over some of the rule of threes, but the rule of three is a truly impactful thing. So if you can, give three things that kind of roll off your tongue, right? Ready, set, go. Just three things that people can really latch on to. Our brains, for some reason, love the rule of three. The last section I want to talk to you about is questions executives ask about the language of buy-in. So question one, where is the best place to use this language of strategic stories? Essentially, he says everywhere, right? It becomes clear to me that certain individuals had unique ability to deal positively and convincingly with even the toughest grillings. Further, this skill went beyond the usual spin, which my years in the journalistic trenches had trained me to detect and reject. I came to see that these masterful influencers... Among them, Ronald Reagan, GE CEO Jack Welsh, Senate Majority Leader Howard Baker, Xerox CEO David Kearns, and CNN founder Ted Turner, approached every audience, whether in presentations to many millions or in one-on-one conversations with a story to tell. It was a story built to generate support by projecting, with substantial evidence, a positive future outcome regardless of current circumstances. Further down, here's the bottom line. You can speak it, you can write it, you can picture it, you can even act it out before a target audience of any nature or size. The central point to keep in mind is that the language of buy-in works by showing people that what you want will give them a future they want. Another question, once you've developed your strategic story, how often should you tell it and over what time period? The answer, the key to maximizing the impact of any strategic story is to repeat it as often as possible for as long as possible. Whether you're seeking buy-in in in the workplace, marketplace, or public arena, the longer and the more frequently you repeat your strategic story, the more likely you are to be successful. As Winston Churchill said, 
If you have an important point to make, don't be subtle. Use a pile driver. (laughs) If your strategic story is not working as well as you'd like in a generating buy-in from a target audience, what should you do? Here's a quick analogy to help address this. Aboard old-time sailing ships, near the bottom of each mast was a small wooden handle called a trim tab. By slightly turning each trim tab, sailors were able to adjust the rigging and sail for better wind reception and thus significantly improved control over their ship's speed and direction. The same principles apply today on air and spacecraft. Their computerized trim tabs enhance pilots' control of in-flight speed and trajectory. Think of each key element of your strategic story as a trim tab, strategic storyline, three targeted chapters with supporting evidence, and a call to action. If your strategic story is not producing the buy-in objectives you want with a particular target audience or not producing it quickly enough, one or more of your trim tabs may need adjustments. So he's not saying go redo your story, find a different topic or objective. He's just saying you need to you need know, to make a few adjustments to those to each of those aspects of your storyline. Keep honing it in until you get it right. So that's it. That's a, a short book, quite compact with some some good information from somebody that has tons and tons of experience in trying to influence and buy in and consulting people who have that burden on their shoulders at large organizations, even political leaders. So um Pretty valuable book, especially if you're in business, but I think at any level. I hope you got some value out of this. If you did, the link to purchase this book will be in the show notes. Also, if I could ask you to do something for me, please go leave a review on this podcast. When we get more reviews that that tells the podcast gods that this podcast is providing quality to you, the audience, and helps us reach a broader audience. So thank you guys for listening and being here. We'll catch you on the next one. Hey, thanks for listening to the entire episode. As a token of gratitude, I want to give you a discount on my book, Ingrained. Head over to bronsonwilkes.com slash store and download Ingrained for less than a dollar with the coupon code GOALS, G-O-A-L-S.